Welcome to About Being Alive podcast. We're your hosts, Jason Beck. Jordan Hamilton. I'm very excited for this week's podcast on work-life balance, work-life integration and all things work-life. To get started, as always, we're going to head into a mindfulness practice at the beginning. So whether you are cooking up some delicious food or if you're driving, don't close your eyes. You can listen along, but make sure all your attention is still on the rules and the laws of the road. Um, if you're at home or you're on a walk, slow things down a little bit, maybe sit down and join us in a mindfulness of sound practice. So if you are sitting, place both feet on the ground, hands in the lap, have your spine, your back naturally upright, comfortably. Make it straight, but don't push too hard to keep it up. Just relax in a nice straight back. And softly close your eyes. Take a deep breath in through your nose, very slow. Slowly exhale out of the mouth. We're gonna do this two more times. Inhale slowly. Exhale slowly. One more time, make it the biggest breath of the day, inhaling slowly. Slowly exhale. Allow your breath go to a natural rhythm without adjusting it. Just notice how your body wants to breathe right now. Notice where your attention goes to the movements of the breath and the body. Maybe it's in the rib cage. Maybe it's in the mouth. Without forcing, just notice where your attention travels. What catches your attention? Be the observer of the experience of breathing. Now place your attention on the sounds going on around you. Just notice what sounds come up first. If you are in a very quiet place and you don't hear any sounds right away, then notice the lack of sound. Allow yourself in this moment to have your attention drift to whatever sound comes up.
Try to zoom your attention out and see if you can listen to everything happening all at once. See if you can hear the whole orchestra of sounds happening around you all at once instead of hearing each individual sound. Now playing with the sound and the attention, zoom in on one particular sound in the field. See if you can focus in, dial in to just one sound. And if you get distracted, acknowledge the distraction. Ah, I noticed. And come back to that initial sound. Nearing the end of our practice, check in with your body. How do you feel now as compared to earlier? How do you feel different or the same? And just take note. Notice any similarities or differences in the breath and the rhythm of the breath. And at your own pace, slowly bring your attention back to the room. You wiggle your fingers a little bit, slowly open your eyes as we begin the talking portion of our podcast. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for taking me and all our listeners through that. Definitely feel more centered and aware, aware of sounds. Um, I'm curious, maybe in your perspective, do you find yourself, um, because the two distinct aspects of that practice one is broadening your awareness to observe the entire orchestra as you eloquently put and then also zeroing in on one particular sound um, out of those two did you find yourself more uh, was one of those easier for you to do than the other i think it depends on the day and the time for me it usually is easier to dial in on focus on one thing. I enjoy the macro awareness, but it's difficult for me. Yeah. I think the, the point you made, like of being of different times of day too, um, because it seems like focusing on one sound that's flexing that concentration muscle, um, whereas being aware is more of that um, awareness, right? Um, so it's, I like how you integrated both of those into a single practice and they're very different muscles. And in a longer practice of like 10, 15, 20 minutes, it, it's really fun to keep zooming, zooming in and out to play with it because then it becomes play. It's like right. playing with attention and gaining that skill of seeing different perspectives. Right. And I think that, you know, that time frame of 10 to 15 minutes, I think that moved us the nice transition point into 
this idea of work-life balance, right? And being able to, well, well first on that point, I heard a, uh, someone reframe that phrase for me recently in, in a way that I really liked, which is work-life blend. And you mentioned integration too, and I think they're very similar. And um, previously I'd conceived of work-life balance where I have work and I have my life and they're separate. Um, whereas work-life blend is how can um, both I integrate my work and life together um, and then also how can I integrate self-care and play and some of these aspects that I enjoy and practice in life into my work. And um, I've been playing with that recently and, um, and wonder, you know, what your thoughts are on that. Kind of sounds like a smoothie. Yeah, it makes me yeah. think of like work-life smoothie. Yeah, I'll have a a cup of oat milk. Right, I'll have a, a cup of blueberries, half an avocado, some chia seeds. It's like, what kind of ingredients do you want to put in there? Oh, I want some of these hobbies. I want some of this type of work. I want type of this type of work at home. I like that blend idea. Yeah, and to even boil that down of to you know looking at work, right? So okay, take uh, two hours of Excel with and let's sprinkle on some mindfulness practice while I'm working, right? So the idea of how can you um, incorporate some of these positive behaviors into to do while you're actually engaged in work. And can work become a practice of those behaviors that we're trying to do? It's like the mindfulness of sound practice we just did yeah, we can sit down and do that for 15 minutes. It'll have benefit. Um, I think even more so, can we integrate that into each activity? When talking to someone, can we practice mindful listening where we're just effortlessly listening to someone's voice being there? That's what it really means to be present, quote unquote, is letting go of all the other preconceived notions and ideas of what it has to happen and just listening for the sake of listening, yeah. the ears will take it, take it from there. They, they can, they got the job, you know, they're doing the job. Great. It's like, as if the NASCAR driver gets out of his seat and tries to help do the pit stop thing. As you can tell, I'm very well knowledge NASCAR. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. The pit stop crew, they got it handled. Let your ears do the job. Just be there in your job is to focus in and dial in on what's going on in the present experience and not, Think about what you want to do next. And, and what you want to say next, right? A lot of time in conversation, as you know, as you're speaking to me, I'm trying to think of, okay, what can I add now to the conversation without really totally. allowing you to finish, right? And I'm it's almost as if I don't trust my you could say intuition or your unconscious processes to absorb that information and be able to formulate a conversational point spontaneously, right? It's like, I got to, I got to control this and micromanage this and deliver this on point where I might be missing some elements that you're conveying that are crucial to what you're trying to say and what you're really trying to express. It's extremely hard. I struggle with that. Yeah. I mean, even in this podcast setting, I'm yeah. thinking about what can I do next? Right. What can I say to add to this point? And then I'll lose the tail end, which might have that golden nugget that you say that I just totally don't acknowledge and goes over my head. Yeah, I, I was I was actually going to bring up that pod for for you know for me in terms of talking about work life balance. This this serves in a, in a variety of ways for for what um, I'm personally trying to build for my own brand, but also it's an excellent practice um, and and mindful conversation, right? And, and trying to apply being fully present and acknowledging the other individual under this, um, you know, we're recording. So it's going to go out to the public and people are going to hear it. So there's this element of, of perceived pressure and it's, it's, it's a really interesting practice. And I think on the tail end of that is then being able to listen to yourself. And we've talked about this, right? Being able to record yourself in conversation and then review and as a way to um, see where you're at, um, appreciate what went well, and then also begin to adjust what you want to what you want to improve. Like right discernment. How do we 
not judge something correctly maybe is the word but at the same time it's can't have too much judgment in a harsh way or else that little baby ego <laughs> starts having a little fit and it it's impossible to get rid of the ego but to be there with it and watch it say okay i'm listening to myself and i'm practicing while also working and practicing this ability to sit and watch myself and improve my work. Yeah. So with, in terms of work-life balance, what are some practices that you do? Uh, because it, well, I guess first, you know, explain a little of the, like maybe a project that you're working on right now and going from there, um, how, how do you structure your day or how do you incorporate some self-care or begin or, or developmental aspects of your life into your day-to-day? So for me, I think I'm going to start with emails okay. as just an overall area because I think that is a very relatable work-life dilemma. We can access work emails at any time with our phones. I have clicked that refresh button at 10 o'clock p.m. and looked at my emails and it's not fun. Why do I do that? What is, what is driving that urge? Um, and how can I best live my life in relationship to work emails or task emails during the day for work-life blend? For me, not doing emails first thing in the morning. Also knowing why I'm clicking the refresh button. Is that a novelty? Wanting to have some sort of stimulation at that time of, oh, I'm, I'm doing something an unconscious level, I kind of just want to do something. And so I go to email. For me, boundary setting has been the biggest thing for emails. Choosing when I'm going to open the app and when I'm not going to open the app, it's a battle. It is like going to war. It's like I'm sitting down, I have my drink, I have, you know, I've practiced and I'm going to get into this and I'm going to apply mindfulness. So I'm reading the emails and I'm, it's going to be a practice in itself. Do I get that every time? No. There are so many times when I'm listening to music and doing emails. I can't help it sometimes, and it's not a good practice. That's the ultimate trick is how often can we bring ourselves to difficult work? For me, it's emails. In a presence mindset of just reading and going through it as if you had all the time in the world for this one moment. Hmm. So do you, you know, do you block out, you bl- do you block out certain times in your day for email? And, you know, cause for me and I'm sure many others, it's, it's, it becomes a conversation, these emails are become a conversation. So, you know, how do you, how do you s- set those boundaries in time frames while also, you know, respecting that relationship and that conversation that may or may not be time sensitive yeah, you know, I, I imagine it. It's context dependent, but yeah. are, are there? You know, do you have a certain methodology that you apply to that? Yeah, my two are. One, I'll do emails late morning or early afternoon. If I do it too early, it just soaks up all that creative juice that could have been applied somewhere else. If I do it too late, I'm not going to be responding to people with kindness and compassion, mm-hmm. and I'll be trying to get things done. My second biggest tip that has helped me is I sort my emails. So whenever I do look at my emails, I will go through and I'll sort them into other folders. It's the first thing I do. Okay, we have my inbox. Now I sort into urgent or later. And urgent is anything that I can do within five minutes or it's something that I have to do today. Hmm. Anything that's later or longer, I'll just put into the later folder. And... I'll go inbox zero. So I have nothing in my inbox, but I have two folders with emails. The rest of the day, if I get some emails, I may or may not even look at them. I know what I'm doing that day. That's my personal method. Now that works with my job and what I have to do. Um, Of course, there are times when I have to respond very quickly to people and I make that priority. But oftentimes it's that boundary. That's my journey Mm. is creating stronger boundaries. I, I like that and I'm, I'm going to borrow that, that email approach of 
of inbox um, email being at zero emails is a goal of mine. Yeah. Um, at least in one, at least in my uh, professional inbox. And it, it, I think sorting would greatly help that process. And it helps for me to know when I'm, when I'm doing the emails and when I am not doing the emails. Yeah. Okay, this is the emails I'm doing today. This is the project. This is the scope. Everything outside of that, not my responsibility right now. That's helped me. Like I said, I struggle. It's a struggle. And if I'm, you know, five for 10 on success ratio or whatever that means, if I'm, if I'm batting 500, good. But I got to get up there and try. I need my at-bats. Yeah. Well, you need your at-bats, you know, to be getting the all-star game. Like 500 is a great average, but if you've only had 10 at-bats, huh. Yeah. So that's why, that's why diving into work and actually doing the practice and trying and experimenting yeah. is required to just give yourself a chance to say, okay, I'm going to try this new strategy. And I'm going to give myself two days for this new strategy. Um, let's say somebody has that difficulty of closing work at the end of the day. My response would be, Try a new strategy, anything, literally anything. In fact, try a bad strategy. That's best. It's just try something bad, like just a, a half-ass idea. Implement it for two days. Watch what happens. Like for me, just last week, I came back from this three-week traveling where I was kind of on leave of work for a little bit. And then I was also doing some work while traveling, which is always fun and interesting and difficult and a whole nother game-changing challenge. Um, and then I come back home. And now in a new environment, no habits. And I didn't work well. My work-life blend was very muddy where both of them were struggling to gain life and to breathe. And so I told myself, okay, I'm going to work for two hours tomorrow. I'm going to work and I'm not working any later than 2 p.m. So um, I, I made that myself a priority where I said, I'm going to go really slow with my task list. I'm going to do very few tasks, but I just need to win. So I worked only two hours and it was a success. So the next day I was, okay, let's see if I can do that again. Let's see if I can replicate that. And then that created this launching pad for a new experiment. All right, let's try four hours and work at this time and that time. So minimizing the scope, what do I want to get done and experimenting is the number one way to teach people how to fish instead of just telling them, do this one thing. Yeah, I, I agree with that idea of an experimenting and, and potentially um, my experience, because I was also traveling a lot and, and attempting to incorporate setting aside specific time while I was away, you know, two hour chunks typically to um, do what I needed to do for certain projects. Um, I, a lot of my work is consulting, which means I have multiple projects that I'm working on simultaneously with different timelines that uh, sometimes there's overlap in terms of the content or the process in creating, other times there's not. Um, so devoting I think what helps me is having chunks for specific projects or what I like to think of tracks, like, I, you know, using NASCAR or race car. Right? <laughs> well, really in NASCAR yeah. right yeah, now. Yeah, I know. I don't know what's going on. Well, I just came from Austin, so maybe I caught a little of it down there. It's also our new sponsor, NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the most unexpected sponsor yeah. for this podcast. Watch but NASCAR we on Fox at 11 p.m. on yeah. Saturday. If you're listening, jump on. But I see, uh, you know, different tracks for different projects. And this could be applied to, you know, a variety of professions out there where you're working on, you know, there's whether it's consulting or, um, you know, in investing or you have multiple clients, whatever, uh, thinking of different tracks. And what I try to do is I try to track where that progress, where that project is. And I have, so what, what is it going to look like when it's finished? And I'll take note of that. And then just make mental notes along the way and also written notes of where that project is in that race or that sprint, right? So then um, devoting chunks of time so I can de really devote the creative energy that's needed to push it forward um, throughout the day. Um, and ideally what I like to do is, is fuel each one of those regardless 
of the day, even if it's 15 minutes for just ideating on um, a specific workshop that I won't work on until, you know, until October, but just giving it some energy um, throughout mm-hmm. the day is, is something I like to do. Uh, that being said, um, I also take time off. So I was just in Austin for five days, um, didn't really do any work. And now the question becomes, coming back, how can I, you know, re-engage and re-establish structure quickly enough to, to do what needs to be done in order to create, you know, products that are, that are both successful and beneficial to, you know, the client or the consumer. Um, and for me, I like to set a day where my schedule's clear, I have some meetings, and I find a location I like. And I'm, I, I commit to going, going in, in, in time chunks, but, but really sitting down, maybe taking five minute breaks throughout, but this is my day to commit to getting, to moving these ventures forward. When you say giving fuel to all these ventures, yeah, something that I've been struggling with and, and I'm trying to experiment in a new way, but it's been very difficult is facing this problem of having five to 10 projects going on. Some are way out in the future, some are more immediate. Do I give fuel to a handful each day? Which I think is a good idea, that's my that's my default. Giving fuel to many projects each day to keep them top of mind and to add some fuel. Or what if I just did one project? What if I only had one thing on my task list? No matter if that thing is one hour or five hours, I have a feeling in my heart that I would actually get a lot more done and and be more fulfilled if I zone in on the one essential thing. It's it's a risky move though, because what if that one thing only takes like ten minutes? Um, yeah. What are your what are your thoughts on that? I was also thinking of that on the way over, actually, and I think it, you know, I think it's dependent on the individual, um, and and everyone has a different creative process or or way of working, right? And I think it comes down to knowing yourself and knowing what works for you. Uh, for me, being able to bounce between projects, what I may I may spend ten minutes on on one project, and during that time, I'll have an idea, moving my mind and my focus to a different subject will actually free up my unconscious mind to creatively come up with a solution to a problem yeah. in another, another project, right? So then that 10 minutes, um, I may have moved you know, an inch here, but the idea that was generated from that 10 minutes, you know, I went 500 yards in another project, right? So I think it, it, it comes down to knowing yourself and, and playing around, right? Again, experimenting. With, with different styles of work um, and and observing your behaviors when you're working in these different with these different um, strategies seeing what, what works for you and some people might be listening and saying they're game with experimenting cool I'm down with that the the next step is to also get your marker correctly right now I've been playing with the idea of my marker is how I feel at the end of the day looking back at my day or how I feel the next day. And a lot of times the, my, my ideal experience is looking back at the day and being like, yes, I was in it. Yeah. I was in it and I focused. Like it doesn't matter if I actually made strong headway or had a deliverable, but if I was in it and focused, I'm very happy. Even if it was a struggle. To not be distracted is a success for me and it makes the rest of my day feel good. Like even if I'm going to the beach, which is the most serene area that you can go to, if I'm distracted the the earlier part of the whole day with work, it doesn't feel as rich. It feels like I need healing. <laughs> I need yeah. I need maybe some some caressing and love because I'm so exhausted from the fight of distraction and resistance. And on the other hand, even if I put in a grueling five hours of writing and feel exhausted, it's a good exhausted. 
It's like a meaningful exhausted. And that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. And that's where the work-life blend I think comes in is not just looking at work as a siloed activity of how can I get as much done, but rather how can the two fuel each other in a cohesive blend so that I look back on each thing and say, I'm happy that I did that. I'm happy I just did that. Yeah, I think that feeling, you know, you mentioned of feeling locked in, right? Feeling completely present in the moment, focused on whatever task it is, regardless of how menial or meaningful it was, um, is what is what gives you that feeling at the end of the day as you're lying in this. I, I live this day to its fullest. Oh my right? god, that's such a good feeling. Yeah, that's almost as good as a feeling as ice cream. Almost. I mean, it's pretty close, honestly. <laughs> like eating some cookies and cream feels good. good. It sure but does. man, feeling at the end of the day and being like, I wrote four pages. I didn't look at Instagram. And I just zoned in and didn't even look on my phone. It's a pretty good, meaningful feeling. There's like two types of happiness involved with work and life. Hobbies, vocational or avocational. The term I just found out. Pretty good. Just add an A on it. Boom. Yeah. New word. Um, well, they've been using it for a while. It's new to me. It's the pleasure experience in the moment, the positive emotions, the hedonic emotions. And then there's also the eudaimonic, which is looking back at the experience and how does it match up with aligning towards your best potential. So hedonic, we all are f- familiar with the idea of pleasure in the immediate experience of eating chocolate. Eudaimonic comes from a Greek word um, of knowing thyself, perhaps. I don't know the exact translation. And living one- towards one's values. And I think the work-life blend we're trying to get at here is how can we live a life of both hedonic of enjoying it and the eudaimonic of looking back and being happy that we went through that stress and strife towards fulfillment. Yeah. I, you know, thinking of hedonic on the, again, on the way over here, I'm coming off of a time where I spent, you know, a a fantastic weekend with a great group of gentlemen um, and very much enjoyed one another's company and experienced that that hedonic, those hedonic components of just pleasure, enjoyment, fun, and now stepping out of that, there's craving that eudaimonic. And okay, I've got my tank is full on that. Now I'm I'm ready to explore and experience this other side. And it seems like it's it, it is both a blend, um, but it's being aware of. Um, you need both. I I, I fairly believe um, I, in, in terms of balance for me personally um, to both ex- to experience both sides of those and to know that through you, you can have both in your day to day at you know, work. You can have both. You can have both. I, I believe it. Like you sit down at your desk, right? Like and I, I've seen you and how you set up your workstation. There's a certain amount of pleasure you get just from the act of setting up. Oh, yeah. proper environment. I love that. Yeah. Right. You, you got your environment and then you're able to con and that fuels your ability to concentrate. So I think being able to have those m- small miniature moments of pleasure, whether that be getting the your perf, you know, your drink, your drink of choice, yeah. that cappuccino from the coffee shop down the road that does it perfectly. Or a new pen. Or Yes, or a new pen. Any pen guys or, or girls those, out there? Or one of those, I love pens. Or one of those little <laughs> dolls, right? I don't I don't have any, um, but a good pen, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm yeah. feeling good. And I, I think that fuels then my ability to engage and, and act in accordance with some of my higher values that will give me that ultimate feeling at the end of the day that this was a, you know, a day well lived. And it's just a new pen. She's like, oh, a little novelty. Right. A little novelty. That's what the experiment thing that we were talking about earlier is add a little bit of novelty in how we approach hobbies or work or organizing them both. Adding that experiment is just adding a little new frame, trying on some new glasses. Do I look good on aviators? Nah, not so much. But hey, I tried them on. Right. And it was kind of cool to try them on. Yeah. Let me try on some Ray-Bans. Wafers. 
Those are the classic look. Hey, this look fit a little good, but sometimes I like to put on the aviators. Cool. So sometimes I like to work 10 hours a day. Other times I like to work five hours a day. Depends on the time of the season. So trying them both is eudaimonic. That is a way to understand oneself greater and deeper. Hmm. And hedonically doing what you want to do sometimes by only working a certain amount or going more so to work. Yeah. No, I I agree. Um, shall we move to questions? Sure. Because yeah. we have a que- we have some questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have some questions. And I think it's I think it's helpful and it's related to an aspect of work life balance, which is how do we create it underneath this aspect of balance or self-care is this underlying in order to be engaged in these processes, there's this underlying aspect of discipline or inertia, that initial inertia that must be created in order for us to jump in to a practice or develop a practice that works for us. Some people call that activation energy, which is how much energy is required to start. Mm. I think that works really well with this. So this question is coming from Shelly in Dallas. And... Um, and here's here's what it, here's how it goes. So, so Shelley says. So I've thought a lot about this, and what I've been working on, and admittedly struggling with, is one discipline, two self care, three joy, and four emotional regulation. Especially now, being in a new city, trying to find a job, I noticed that my discipline and emotional regulation is far from consistent. I was never taught the importance of managing my own time and goals in school, sports, relationships, etc. So learning to do that and failing sends me spiraling. I don't know if that's anything that'll work for you guys to talk about, but it's something that would definitely be helpful for me. So to, I think to, to lead things off, there's this idea that Shelley brings up a great point that we really haven't been taught how to create the life we want to live and how do we develop the internal tools necessary to develop the practices that will lead to fulfillment. So starting there, did you have any thoughts to jump out at you? Well, to reply to that comment, I mean, we've been taught how to think and we're good at thinking. We're great critical thinkers and we're all very smart. We have not been taught how to feel. We don't have that knowledge right now in our society in the mainstream. And discipline, self-management, it's all a matter of understanding and managing feelings. What's going on? I think the smartest person in the world, but if you can't understand and manage the feeling aspect of life, not going to be able to direct the rational mind towards anything useful. To respond to something from that She said, managing time has been difficult. Can't manage time. Can't do it. It's going. It's going. Mm. I would say managing attention is the most important thing that we can possibly do with our time. So that would be, again, minimizing the scope of experimenting with a new habit, a new way of seeing the world, a new way of working or a new way of blending work and life. So let's say it's two hours out of the day. For these two hours, I'm blocking it off. It's a little bit of time management and then saying within the two hours, here's how I'm going to approach my attention. Here's how I'm going to bring my intention to my behaviors and then experiment, see what works, see what doesn't work. Ultimately, discipline is a tough teacher that will eventually become effortless. If it's hard every single day, tweak it. That's what I would say. Again, start with how can you manage your attention and experiment with that instead of managing time constantly. Yeah, I like how you also said, you know, start, uh, consider the scope, right? Because for me, what I've experienced is that I'll, I'll be at a point in my life where, we need a remodel. 
We need a complete maybe a teardown. Tear it down. Right? We need this might be <laughs> one, of, one of those home shows, right? Those yeah. renovation shows. Yeah. It's like tear it down, rebuild it. Um, and that has never worked for me. Um, where I would be for the first week, I'd be doing like eight different practices to try to <sighs> recenter myself and and enhance my focus, my ability. I've been there. I need to discipline, right? So let's go all in. And a week a week goes by, I feel great. Like I'm all, I got it. The second week rolls around, life happens, and I miss one practice, two practice, three, and now I'm floundering again. Um, so recently what I tried is I, I realized I need to lower the scope and simplify. And what I did for myself is I chose three, three things to do every day. Um, and all of those are adjustable based on whatever the day's happening. So one is to meditate, which could be I shoot for 20 minutes. If I wake up a little later than I would have liked, I'll shorten that to even five or 10, but I still did it. The other is to write. I want to write for 15 minutes, whatever comes to mind, because that's something that I know makes me feel more myself. And then the third is exercise. So that could be going to the gym for an hour and a half. Or it could be spending five minutes to do push-ups or pull-ups or whatever that is. Uh, and what I what's been worked for me is those sliding scales of activities have provided me the flexibility I need to remain consistent and and begin to de- redevelop and regrow that muscle of discipline. That then um, what I notice is it starts to bleed over into other aspects of my life, like emotional regulation when something arises because I've been consistent in, in small practices um, there's a sense of inner solidity that allows me to address it and some days uh, you know I'm not perfect and I think this is a huge part whenever you're trying to implement something new is to be compassionate and forgiving towards yourself because it's hard to change habits it really is um, so allow yourself the freedom to trip and fall and and, you know, give yourself a hand up so you can keep moving forward. I always think about the metaphor of if we saw a child fall, we wouldn't scream at the child. What are you doing? Get yourself together. You know, the crying child. No. We would be very compassionate. Oh. But when we trip and fall on ourselves, we treat ourselves like crap. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know. And, and maybe it is even looking at yourself like a child sometimes. Yeah. Like, aw, oh, look at you on look the ground you, again. Look at you, little bud. Come on up. Um, and and I, I think just simplifying and beginning to devote time for yourself in small ways that flexible, fluent might be a good place to start in terms of, you know, building that muscle and know that it might not have, you know, you may not feel great tomorrow or in a week, um, but appreciating those small victories on a daily basis will compound over time. And where is your metric of success? So one concept I really love is this idea of, of a fulfilling discipline. Fulfilling discipline being this is a hobby, an activity that I want to devote myself towards cultivating as an art form. And it's going to be my metrics that a metric of success for that day. And if it's off, if I'm not doing it, that means something's going wrong in my day. Yes, emotional outburst or difficulties with emotional well-being is a, also another excellent metric of saying, well, I've been kind of off. My mood has been off. I would suggest experimenting with choosing a fulfilling discipline, whether that's a sport or playing an instrument or practicing mindfulness and seeing that if you complete the fulfilling discipline for the day, whatever amount it is, that's a success. If a couple of days go by and I haven't been playing guitar, something is going off in my life. I got to re-examine something. So it's a cool compass to use as a tool to say, wait a second, what if I use my discipline, that activity that brings me fulfillment as my compass? Mm-hmm. And if it's going well, I'm on the right path. I really like that a lot. I like that term too, fulfilling discipline. It good. brings a nice uh, little joy to the word. Discipline yeah. sounds like like a collar, like right. a cage. 
um, add fulfilling to it. Now it feels like I'm swimming in open water. It softens it up. Yeah. It softens it up. Yeah. yeah. Add some fluidity. Um, Shelly, thank you so much for your question. And yeah. again, uh, I think, I mean, it resonated with me. And I think it will resonate with most of our listeners out there. And to all the other listeners, please send us questions. And uh, we'll be posting some clips on our respective Instagrams. So, and, you know, with you're welcome to send us questions through there. And feel free to message us. My Instagram handle is at jasonbeck.life. And mine is at jordanhamilton0. So let's go to the flow of the week. Sure. What's your flow of the week? Uh, my flow has been, the most relevant flow for me has been um, camaraderie. And um, I just came from a weekend. We were celebra- celebrating the, the engagement of uh, a close high school friend. Shout out. Kirk Piper. Um, and what was great about that for me is um, sharing this entire spectrum of, of fraternity with, with guys that I'm close with. And that is everything from laughing at, um, you know, somewhat childish antics to also having really meaningful conversations and everything in between. And um, for me, what that provided was this um, feeling of belonging and um, appreciation of a variety of different people and being able to share significant moments, you know, and and also celebrate and celebrate an individual and all come together for that purpose um, was wonderful for me. And it was something I really appreciate. Nice. Yeah, how about you? My flow of the week has been clown comedy. I've been really into clowning recently. Okay. So I've been doing improv comedy for about four or five years. And I recently went to a clown retreat with some of my improv friends where we met up with a world famous clown from Spain named Aitor and taught us for a week doing clown games for 10 hours a day. Fascinating art form. And I am addicted to it. It's very similar to improv. There is no face paint. Okay. There's no red nose. It is about being very vulnerable to the audience. So you break the fourth wall. In usual performances, you're acting within a performance with the other members on stage and you never look at the audience. You're playing the reality. But in clown, you play the reality and then you look at the audience to see their reaction. And so they see your reaction. You create an intimate connection emotionally through the eyes. And it's all about failing in a beautiful way and sitting in the failure and looking at people when you fail. And when they recognize that human flaw and you sit in it and you don't break commitment, you don't look at the floor, you don't laugh off in embarrassment. No, you sit in that feeling of failure. People laugh because we get it. That's why we love people who are stoic comedians because they just sit in that feeling and you know they believe it. As the audience, they can smell from a mile away. They can smell fake acting. So clowning is all about being very, 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 very real and being an idiot Hmm. by accident and not being in on the joke. And training that ability is wonderful and so difficult. So how have you been practicing clowning? Yeah, there's a bunch of different games to play to practice how we react to failure. Hmm. Do we look at people? Do we look at them? and be authentic or do we play and act or do we look down and failure? No, but sitting. So there's a bunch of little games. Even the greatest movies and theatrical plays, the best actors or actresses have always been clowns. Maybe they haven't been trained in clown theater, but the acting method they've been practicing is similar. So all Shakespeare, it's all designed for people who feel and speak out of the feeling. They don't speak out of the memorization of the words. So I've been really into this whole art of clown. The art of clown. Wow. Well, thank you for introducing me to a completely new (laughs) concept. Uh, Yeah. Clowning to me was, uh, you know, just joking around, I guess. You know, you clowning on someone. Usually there's a – you're the clown. I don't even know who the clown is in that situation, huh? But uh, the idea of clowning on, you know, roasting someone, right? Yeah. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I could I could see that being being really a valuable skill set that you could trans you know transfer to life. Just yeah. being able to be vulnerable and be vulnerable in people. That's why it's very addicting yeah. is to be vulnerable with people and to look right. people in the eyes and connect. Yeah, and not act with a social mask. Yeah. So it's been a pretty fun a pretty fun exploration and quickly before we end what is your challenge for the week or some difficulty you're approaching or a challenge for yourself to experiment with yeah. uh challenge transition so being in movement a lot um uh what i've learned is the ability to shift shift gears um you know whether you're in different locations or different aspects of your day um, being able to quickly adjust your whatever your perception is or the type of focus that's required, whether that be face-to-face interactions or you need to zero in on a certain project um, to increase uh, the or decrease rather the time it takes for me to transition. Um, so that's my practice for the week or the challenge rather. For me, I have been practicing uh, this challenge of not using my phone within an hour of waking up. And I find myself being quite bored, not knowing what to do and just wanting to do something, <laughs> not be on my computer, not be on my phone for an hour. Um, usually it's been pretty good drawing, writing, meditating. Um, but my challenge going forward from this will be to slow down and transitions. I've noticed I rush to get home. I rush through something to get to the next event, rather the transition can be a practice of just living life. Driving a car can be an interesting experience with the right attention placed onto it. And I notice I just become a rush to one thing the next, yet I will spend an hour on Instagram. Why was I rushing earlier Mm. just to do that? Mm. So as a way to spend less time on my phone, I'm gonna practice the art of going slow. Going slow. I like it. And we welcome, you know, you to all of you out there to, you know, think, consider what your challenge could be for this week or, you know, and also your flow. And, you know, feel free to to write in on that. But for today, that's all we got. So thank you for listening. And again, as a reminder, we're coming to you live from Studio B3 at Claremont Graduate University. We'll see you soon. Thanks, everyone.